This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. And we've got a great question to start us off here, Michael. Here is the question. And for you and I as pastors, we may know something about this question. Are kids who grow up in Christian homes more likely to become Christians? The person asking the question takes it also further, and they start talking about fairness. Mm. So if there is a direct correlation between kids who grow up in a Christian home and um, kids who trust in Christ, is it therefore not fair for a kid who grew up in a Muslim home? They never had the opportunity to hear about Christ from a young age. Mm. Like, isn't God fair, if you will. Oh, yeah. Let's answer the first question, and then we can talk about the fairness question, because I think think that's a really hot-button thing that a lot of people feel. Maybe they don't have, like, vocabulary for it, but I think we can maybe help them. Yeah, I think they're feeling, and a lot lot of our culture is feeling that fairness. Yep, 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 yep. So the easy answer to the actual question is, yes, statistically, Christian parents are more likely to have Christian kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Catholic parents are more likely to have Catholic kids. That's Uh, right. Atheist parents are more likely to have atheist kids. Muslim parents are more likely to have Muslim kids. And it carries over to every realm of life. I mean, parents that are athletic are more likely to have athletic kids. Yep. Uh, Musical families, uh, musical parents are more likely to have musical kids. Yep. There is a transference of desires and skills that happen. Whether by nurture or by nature, it happens. Well, I mean, practically speaking, I am raising my kids in my value sets. That's right. And so I value church. I value private education. I value, you know, I can go down the line Mm -hmm. and my kids are being immersed into my wife and I's value sets. So that's normal. That's not fair or unfair. That just is. And every parent does that. It doesn't matter who you are. Like no parent says, "Um, I don't believe in this, but I'm going to raise my kids in it. You know, like that's just not, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if it does, it's, it's more out of, uh, out of external circumstances forcing it. So, but uh, let's talk about like this. Yeah. Let's just talk about this issue of parents and There's a few factors for this. And number one is when you grew up in a home that preaches the gospel regularly, people who hear the gospel are more likely to get saved. That's right. So you actually cannot be saved until you hear the gospel. Like that's a biblical rule. Um, Paul says in Romans, how can they believe if they don't hear and how can they hear if somebody doesn't preach? And so the, the point he's trying to make is people cannot come to faith in Christ if they don't hear. And if I grew up in a home where my parents are daily proclaiming the gospel. Like, that's that's amazing. One of the things that, that my wife and I noticed that when we were in Bible college many, many, many years ago, in a community and in a church that was massively made up of young couples with young children, and we noticed that something that, that happened very regularly. The families that were very, very evangelical, that shared the gospel, that taught the gospel, that lived the gospel— their kids would make a profession of faith very, very early in life. Five, six, seven years old was the norm. Families that were marginal Christians that would go to church, you know, once a month or, you know, they would be the priesters or they would, if you push them or ask them, do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you Mm -hmm. believe that you have to trust Jesus to forgive your sins in order to go to heaven? And they would answer yes. Mm -hmm. But they believed it at their core, but they didn't live it. They yep. didn't practice it. Their children 
would either, statistically, statistically speaking, and yeah, this not is, certainly, no, I mean, there's and this always is exceptions. Just, again, what I'm talking about is just what we experienced uh, and what I've experienced over, you know, the years of ministry and years of living, those children were less likely to come to faith younger. If they did come to faith, Christ, they were usually older, upper elementary or even high school or junior high, or they would become very cynical mm-hmm. about their faith or about their parents' faith. And they would they would very quickly get to the point, especially in high school, they would get very critical of their parents. They would say, look, you say you believe this, but you're not living it. You're mm-hmm. not practicing what you say you believe. And so there was a cynicism that came in and, and a hardness of heart. So I think we need to nuance this question, uh, or I'm sorry, the answer to this question that kids that grow up in Christian homes how Christian are these Christian homes? Mm-hmm. How evangelical are these Christian parents in this home? You've poked on a few really high-level principles. So one would be that uh, God is wired and fused into the rhythm of life that kids grow up in the image and in the likeness of their moms and dads. Like sure. This is a very normal thing. And uh, there's another principle here, though, that I think you're tapping into, which is valuable. So in any culture— where Judeo-Christianity is kind of dominant, right? Uh, you're going to get families that raise their kids in the church. And so the, the general principle is, is this, that what one generation assumes, mm. the second neglects, and the third rejects meaning. So like if yes. I'm, a, if I'm a, a lukewarm Christian parent, right? I'm like, eh, I go to church once a month, or maybe I even go every week, but I'm just not engaged. I'm mm-hmm. um, generally distant. Uh, the gospel isn't proclaimed daily, if not constantly, regularly in my home. And and my kids see through that. You know, they see they, that. They so, do. So I'm, I'm more of just an assuming Christian. I'm just assuming that my kids are going to get it from church or from school or from, you know, if they go to Christian school, whatever. And then what almost always happens in assuming families is that next generation neglects the faith. Yeah. They'll say, eh, I'm a Christian, but they'll go to college. They'll have no interest whatsoever. And this is a proverb. This is a general reality. It's not a flat-out rule. You can be an amazing mom and dad and have a kid who rejects the faith. You can be a terrible mom and too. dad yes. and have a kid who loves Jesus. But mm-hmm. what you find, though, is that it doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in politics or faith or anything, that whatever passion point a parent has, um, typically the next generation is going to is just going to assume it. They they might uh, believe it or claim it, but they're not going to love it. There's a, a leadership principle that says this, that vision dissipates, mm-hmm. meaning that nobody That's right. nobody will have 100% vision except for the person who owns the vision, who, right. who launched the vision. And so when you have a leader and they're trying to cast a vision, the best those people can get is 99% until they personally own their vision. Yeah, they have to own that same vision. Which, like insight, by the way, which is why we push out vision casting uh, for ministries to the people who run ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right. if I give them vision for their ministries, the best I'm going to get out of them is 99%. And that that's generous, yeah. if, you know? <laughs> But then there's a cultural shift. So what happens when Judeo-Christianity becomes not the dominant culture is that that three generation from assumption to neglect goes to two generations. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is when now in this culture, as a mom and dad, if you're just kind of haphazard about the faith, I can statistically tell you that most likely your kids are not just going to neglect it. They are going to flat out reject it. Yes. So that gap has been shortened because the dominant culture so opposes on almost every level the Judeo-Christian you know, ethic and framework and the gospel, et cetera. Um, and so I think what you're hitting on here, which is just really important, you're, you're anecdotally sharing the, the reality of these principles. Again, we call them proverbs because proverbs are 
generally true statements about life, but there's always there's exceptions. There's always exceptions to the every proverb. Right. So when you read the book of Proverbs, they're not promises, they're probabilities. Mm-hmm. And that's that's important. And again, we have to say this because whenever moms and dads listen, they internalize conversations like this and they want to bear the full weight of their children's salvation um, or non-salvation on themselves. And here's what's challenging. Yes, if you grew up in a home and you proclaim the gospel to your kids and you live it out, statistically speaking, there's going to be a higher probability that they are going to follow Christ and love him. But every generation, I don't care who you are, every generation has to own the faith for themselves. For themselves. And one of the dangers that just parents need to realize is when you grow up and you are faithful to the Lord and to the church and to your spouse and to bringing the gospel and the word of God in every part of your life, one of the things that you can never do is just assume that they're going to personally own it. You have to push them to personally own it. You have to tell them, this is my faith. You have to make it Mm -hmm. your faith. And let Can we actually do something? Because this could get real long. Let's break this question into two podcasts. Let's come back and and I'm going to give you the final word on this one. But um, how about we talk about the fairness fairness part of it? it? Yeah, in our our next next, podcast. um, And we'll do part two then. But maybe just share uh, here. Can we just get vulnerable for a moment? Sure. My kids are are 10, 8, and (laughs) 6. So... I, you know, we haven't been able to flesh out the the full effects of adolescence and their faith and post-adolescence, but you have two grown kids. Uh, you're a pastor. Yeah. You, you've you raised them in a, in a home that has put Jesus in the church by and large first. I don't know home's perfect, you know, right. for sure. I don't our wanna, home was never perfect. Right, I don't want to overstate, like, the nature <laughs> of our homes. Like, all we do is pray and worship, <laughs> and then we eat, uh-huh. but we pray between each bite. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 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 like if somebody just like jumps into this podcast and this and this, they're like, "Who are these Christians?" I feel like, anyways, a pray oh. eat bite. That's going to be our new book. Pray eat there bite. There you go. You can write it. Right? No. <laughs> what uh, What has been your What's been your experience with this? I mean, you've got two very different kids. Yes. Different spiritual journeys. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, and just before I jump into my kids, I would just want to compliment you and it, it, the pressure that is put on pastors' kids in the church sometimes is so overwhelming that the pastor's kids are expected to be the perfect children that never behave like children. We know children behave like children. Mm-hmm. They they do silly things. They do wrong things. They're not the perfect kids, even if they grow up in a perfect home, which mm-hmm. we, there are no perfect homes. Just to watch the heart change and the heart of your children that as Christian parents, we're targeting their heart. We want their behavior to change, mm. but we're really wanting their behavior change because their heart has yeah. changed. And we want to want to encourage them to really be looking at what motivates them rather than what they do. So with our kids, we, we have a, a daughter who's now 31 and a son who is now 30, and they both have boys. Uh, they have children of their own, which are our grandchildren. How are you 45 years old then? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't understand. You must have had I them when you were like could. 11. Yeah. Crazy. All right, go on. So the exciting part is that their personalities were very different from early on. We could see there there was just a huge difference in personality to the point where I, I would say to my wife, are we sure we have the right kids? <laughs> are we sure we got the right kids? But your son from looks the just like you and your daughter yes. looks just like Renee. So <laughs> because their personalities it, yeah. are so radically different. It has been a journey with both of them, both of our kids, when they reached different stages and ages of their life. Uh, for our daughter, it was in high school. Uh, we had our, our daughter in Christian schools up until high school. She went to a public high school in ninth grade. 
And now she had to own her faith. Now she had to make the decision of, you know, am I going to live for Jesus? Am I going to embrace what I've been taught? And she went through a little bit of a struggle with, okay, who am I? What do I really believe based on what I'm being taught in uh, different classes, what I'm seeing uh, modeled in other students? And so she struggled with this for a little while, almost two years. And it was hard for a mom and dad to watch your kids struggle with their faith um, because she made a profession of faith uh, very young. You know, I was able to uh, baptize her and watch her grow and flourish Mm. in her younger elementary and older elementary uh, and even junior high years. Mm. But in high school, now she had to own it herself and we were able to walk through that. And there were all kinds of questions that she had in in high school. How do you know about this? And how do you, why do we really believe that? And what's the evidence for this? We were able to walk through all those things with her. Our son was the other way. I mean, he start, he went through um, that rebellious stage or not just questioning stage faster. He, he started going through that in junior high. And even while he was in the Christian school and he was questioning this and he was questioning that, and I don't know if I believe this and is the Bible really true? And, you know, what about all these other, you know, people that he, he's met in life? And what about this? You know, is this really for me? Hmm. But it switched for him when he went into high school. And again, he went to a public high school. Uh, we made the choice to put him in a public high school in ninth grade. And he was the kid that became the evangelist. I mean, he was bringing kids to youth group like no other kid in youth group. He was bringing, you know, three and four and five kids every night for youth group. And then again, he went through that stage now in college. So he had a great high school, a a really good first couple of years in college. But Mm -hmm. then he's in his second year of college. And then he went through that. I don't know if I really believe this. I don't know if I really want to live this. There's a lot more freedom in college that I never had. Mm -hmm. you know, under mom and dad. And so there was this time of questioning. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is it's not unusual for kids that grow up in Christian homes to embrace Christianity, but go through this time of, is this really for me? Is this really not for me? And as parents, it breaks our hearts. We want to run in and rescue them, but that's part of parenting. It drives us to to pray for them and trust the Lord for what he's going to do in them. And what it comes down to, God loves them far more than we as parents can love them. And so really, you know, we've got to trust that God's going to do his work in them. As a parent, you are responsible to your children, but you are not responsible for them. Growing through these stages of parenting, it is such a blessing to see those stages. And now we're a little bit on the other side of that while you're in the midst of it. But it's still a part of walk of trusting Christ uh, for what he's going to do in their lives. Yep. I have an idea. So not only are we going to break this question into two, let's break it into three. Oh, okay. Let's do a third one that talks about, help me, my kid is questioning the faith. So let's come back. Next time, we're going to answer the question about fairness. Yeah. How is it fair? that some kids get a better opportunity, you know, to to grow up in a Christian home and uh, to come to faith. 